Hello and welcome to Season 4. It's a podcast that seeks to encourage and inspire you on your journey. Well, it is lovely to be with you again. And uh, we have another guest who is from the Red Letter Christians community. And it's with Faith Van Horn. And I have to say, it is a really, really interesting and encouraging conversation, as you would expect. Um, But she shares some really vulnerable things as well, which um, is a privilege to hear, but also understanding her journey from where she was to that point of discovering God in those moments to where she is now. And uh, yeah, it's really lovely. So look, let's go straight into this conversation now. Well, we are now with my next guests, and it is with a great delight that we are with Faith Van Horn. And I think I pronounced your name right. Yep, that's right. All right, good. And um, as you can tell from Faith's fantastic accent, she's not a Brit. She comes from the other side. She's a, a cousin from uh, uh, from the US. And I, um, I, I came across Faith. Um, I, I joined the Red Litter Christians um, movement, the UK one, because um, well, there's a number of things. I think obviously being friends with um, Ash Barker uh, and others, I it just became really apparent that this this notion of Jesus and justice was really really important. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I thought, do you know what? There's, there's, I'm probably not the only person who has things to say. And so I've been reaching out to different people who are part of the, part of this community of, um, I would say, people who are looking to. Um, there's a phrase um, to help people bloom where they're placed, uh, and to really make a difference in their spheres of influence. And so I came across you, Faith, heard your story, and I thought, yeah, my folk need to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you? How has um, has life been treating you? Because you are um, relatively new to the UK, comparative to a lot of other people who I have on here. What have you found different? Well, tell us what, um, where you're from, what brought you here, and what the, what the things that you found different. Oh gosh. Well, I'm I'm from the United States, as you said. I was born in uh, Pennsylvania, yeah. and then I uh, moved to Ohio um, with my mom when I was a teenager. And have uh, I lived in Ohio since I was 15 until I came over here about a year and a half ago. And I'm here because I'm in the PhD program at University of Birmingham in the wow. um, Department of Theology and Religion. And um, it's interesting when you talk about what's different because I came here in September of 2020, during um, like the middle of the pandemic. And so when I arrived, it was like um, my advice from everyone who'd lived abroad, because I'd never lived abroad before even. And everyone was like, well, the first thing you do is go out and, you know, get the lay of the land and get to know where everything is. And I was like, I'm legally not allowed to leave my room for two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I had the quarantine. And so... My first um, impression of the country was 
looking a lot out my window for two weeks Yeah, and um, trying to connect um, online with um, my supervisor and my PhD program. And um, thankfully, I, I was in a flat with some other um, master students, other postgraduates. So I wasn't entirely isolated. You were allowed yeah. to mix with your household. So um, That's good. that was a blessing. Um, and for me, part of the challenge of getting used to things being different is I had no way to tell how much of it was cultural difference in general and how much of it was specific to COVID. And so uh, just because of changes and restrictions, like as I was talking to people online, you know, people kept wanting to invite me into their homes, but they legally couldn't. Oh. So it was a really challenging time to come over. And thankfully now um, those invitations have been fulfilled and, you know, I'm getting used to constantly being offered tea and having people <laughs> ask for tea from me when I, when they come over, which I'm never prepared for because I always drink coffee, but I'm prepared <laughs> now. I know to be ready for it. But um, I, I will tell you, I'll give you a story and this is, um, maybe gives you kind of a picture. This is really, really kind of embarrassing, but That's I think- fine. Yeah. yeah, so like the first time I was allowed out, you know, to go yeah. to the store, I had some cash and um, I just needed to get like some milk and it was like 52 pence. Yeah. And so I was looking at my change and I, I was looking for two pennies in my change and I didn't yeah. have it. And so in America, we have something at the till that's called um, give a penny, take a penny, where if you're like a couple- um, pennies oh, okay you can take some out that's a great so idea hill and i see you know this thing of change i'm like oh it's a give a penny take a penny tray oh, and boy. i go to take two pennies from it oh boy and the woman at the counter is like no that's for the charity like the children's charity and I'm like, oh no <laughs> and so like i immediately put it back and I'm, like, <laughs> I'm looking at my change in my hand and i'm like i don't have you know i was like oh i just wanted two pennies and she pointed to my hand and i had a two pence coin in my yeah. hand. And in America, we just don't have a two pence coin. So I wasn't oh. looking for it. And so it was just something very basic. And she's like, you have two pence right there. And I was like, you're absolutely right. I do. And I feel <laughs> like a complete idiot. <laughs> but um, for me, it's just um, getting used to every day running into something that I wasn't expecting that's different. And I have no way to know that it's different it's it might be a word that's used differently or um you know there's a whole trousers versus pants thing oh yeah i, I mean quick. seriously <laughs> yeah 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 but it's um it's it's really just kind of it's adopting a mindset of being prepared for something I, something's going to come up and i don't know it and i'll just be like okay and just kind of letting go of yeah. trying to know everything i guess <laughs> yeah absolutely which and it, and it is it is very strange isn't it the, the the britishness and no doubt you probably saw a lot of it uh during the jubilee oh yeah mm -hmm. i mean it, it it went to 11 in terms mm -hmm. of our eccentricities that the brits have oh it's um i did get to see a little bit of the jubilee ceremony it was it was so interesting being um, watching that as an American, because, you know, our yeah. history is sort of like anti that, you know, in yeah. response to that. But um, yeah, yeah. But seeing it um, as, as um, a visitor to this culture and, you know, mm. being respectful and saying, you know, this is this is how it is here. They, there's a queen and 
just mm. um in my head it's like it's hard for me to like um get my head around that it's like oh there's actually a queen and they have like castles here that have yeah. been here for like over a thousand years and oh yeah we just don't have in america yeah and so um you know there's the yeah. native um the native cultures that the colonialists destroyed but you know in terms of what, what remains it's like you just don't see those things and they're just taken for granted here people are like oh yeah i grew up by this castle and i'm like yeah. that's crazy it's it's yeah. amazing I, I mean i i remember finding out that uh you you grow up if you, so if you are a, um a, you know one of the children of of the queen you mm -hmm. are a prince or princess mm -hmm. the moment you get married you then become a duke or a duchess yeah. uh, which is I, I didn't know this me neither um and, and i say and i say that that's probably not a universal but it, obviously it happened with um uh duke and Duchess of cambridge and sussex um yeah really weird things you know i i didn't know i watched a program on, on the bbc that there are there's not one crown within the crown of jewels there's 13 there's 13 crowns and there's one crown that the queen will only wear once and that's on her coronation and that's it just mm. wear it the once and you go yeah this is a world i don't get um <laughs> but we love it i you know it is a thing that uh, I, I say we love it the thing that we love is not necessarily the pomp but more of the sense of coming together to celebrate who we are mm. that's the thing that 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 was that just stood out that we celebrated our different cultural mm -hmm. diversities and and it's a rich cultural i mean we've got the whole commonwealth in one nation mm -hmm. and just bursting at the scene with amazingness and uh mm. and all sorts of stuff but anyway um so look you what are you doing your uh, uh your thesis your doctorate on because and i'm really interested to also get your take on the denominational slant on this because mm. um i think i've i have personally i have moved away from denominationalism and and christianese to kingdomese mm. and and that in itself frees me up from the the different denominational accents that mm. says you do or you don't and this is how you are and how you're not and and who you hang out with and who you don't and how you trudge mm. people and how you don't so and so forth mm. tell us about your your spiritual upbringing and and your mm. your thesis and why you joined the red letter christians yeah well first off um i do want to return to what you mean eventually by christianese versus kingdomese because i haven't heard that before but i like it okay but um that's my gift yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of your question, I grew up in um, a Pentecostal denomination in rural Northwest Pennsylvania. It was the International Fellowship of Christian Assemblies. So amazing, sort of classical Pentecostal yeah. denomination. We did, um, you know, people spoke in tongues, um, had the experience of going to the altar, being slain in the spirit. Yeah, yeah. Sorts of things that you would associate with um with classical kind of Pentecostalism. Yeah. It was also a young earth creationist. Um, wow. Very, um, it wasn't as strict as some churches around um, like holiness standards in terms of like women didn't have to wear dresses or anything like that. Okay. But it was um, 
very like anti LGBTQ. It's like it just okay, yeah, been, yeah, yeah. It was preached about as a sin. You know, some places wow. would be low key about that. They were not. And it was just one of those things where as I got to be a teenager and I started having all these questions about the age of the earth and things I was learning in science class and, you know, thinking, I didn't even know any gay people at the time. This would have been um, early nineties, like um, early to mid nineties. And I was like, but it, it doesn't seem like God would punish someone for that. Just what I could tell. And so I, I had kept going to church um, into my, uh, until I was like 12, 13, even after the rest of my family had stopped. I think my mom had wanted to kind of give us a background and, you know, okay. upbringing, but I yeah. kept going because it's like, I always felt like a connection to God. And um, yeah, yeah. It, I had this really conflicted relationship with God there because it was always like, I felt connected to God in ways in worship, but at the same time, the way God was presented in the church terrified me. Yeah, definitely. And, and it was just, I had no tools to kind of resolve that. Mm. And so um, I left the church when I was around 13, 14. And, you yeah. know, the rest of my family didn't care because they'd all stopped going. Yeah, I was like, just, so, yeah. <laughs> in some ways, a blessing, you know. Yeah, sure. So, um, I, as a teenager, started reading about different religions, and um, I got accepted into college, the the Ohio State University. Okay. Um, and um, I was the first person in my family to go. I was able to get a scholarship. Oh, and, wow. Um, I loved um, religions and studying, so I uh, majored in comparative religious studies. Golly. And um, I just um, connected to all these different faith traditions, got really interested in earth-based traditions, like especially like neo-paganism and Wicca. Yep. And, you know, was involved in, in that for years. And I still have friends who are pagans. Wow. Yeah. And it was just um, from there, I kind of, um, long story short, I joined uh, the Unitarian Universalist Church, which is sort of a post-Christian Protestant denomination. Uh-huh. Um. Uh, best way to describe them. They have their background in Christianity, but they opened up to like include people of all faiths and nuns or had a lot of humanists and um, atheists who wanted to connect in community and spirit in some way. Wow. And found my way to seminary. And um, it was a Christian seminary, but I was training for Unitarian Universalist ministry connected to Jesus in seminary through reading the gospels in my new Testament class. And um, wow. I had some fantastic instructors there. Um, Linda Mercadante was my uh, theology professor my first um, semester, and she just made Christian theology so accessible. Yeah. And Ryan Schellenberg uh, taught my New Testament class, and I later took Greek from him Uh because I decided that I couldn't, you know, I wanted to follow Jesus. I made the whole very evangelical commitment, which surprised me more than anyone else. Did the prayer. Yeah, I didn't do the prayer. Like I didn't do the sinner's prayer, but I had the whole, you know, like Wesley's heart being strangely warmed, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I I talked a little bit about that experience um, um, on the Nomad podcast, but I had some pretty intense experiences of the spirit, which I had been told. It's kind of like there was this expectation that I would have that when I was Mm. a child in the church and never did. And then somehow coming back to faith as an adult in this way, very strange way, very intellectually through seminary, 
Yeah. I had these experiences of the spirit that were yeah. really powerful. And so um, I was like, well, I don't think the UU church is really the place for me. And so yeah. I uh, ended up, I'd not been baptized uh, as a child. So I was baptized in a United Methodist church. And oh yeah. so just was like, what do I do now? And um, I really love doctrine and studying and various paths opened up for me to go from getting a master's in seminary to getting this PhD across the pond with the, yeah, with the University of Birmingham. So it's been kind of a wild ride. And it's just one of those things of just being open to spirit and open to the leading of God and like God, just, I'm trusting you with this and send me where you will. Amazing. So, so what, um, so what then led you to hanging out with the red letter Christian Mm. tribe? So this was actually, it started in the U.S. in seminary. Um, Okay. I can't even remember how I came across Shane Claiborne. I read something, got tripped to it. And there's a pastor over there, Jonathan Martin, who had um, this, like, he got kicked off the campus of Liberty University. Wow. And at the time, I didn't know anything else about him. But the Red Letter Christians um, wanted to respond to his being kicked off, um, Liberty University campus. And I was like, you know what? If he got kicked out of Liberty, he must be doing something right. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I ended up, they were, they had this, they called it the Red Letter Revival. And it was uh, outside. They wanted to do it on the campus of Liberty University, but um, Liberty didn't allow them. So they did it just off the campus. And I was like, wow. I was in the midst of this intense personal um spiritual identity whole crisis i was yeah. trying to pieces together and i was like i just felt like i really need to be at this event and so yeah. i drove alone six hours each way to wow. go to this event in virginia because i was like there's something here for me that's a long way it is a long way but it was just like i was in this like just phase where i was like i i need to connect somehow and i just didn't know how to connect and yeah. um Jonathan Martin gave this sermon at um, this event that I, I just shared it with a friend. It's like, it's something that I revisit over and over. Cause I think he just has a wonderful prophetic gift mm-hmm. and just um, Shane Claiborne is um, he just inspires me so much in his journey mm-hmm. and what he does. And so when I came over here, I started um, attending via zoom, this congregation inclusive gathering Birmingham and yeah. Danielle um Danielle Wilson is the co-CEO of Red Letter Christians UK. That's right. That's I started right. messaging her and I was like, oh my gosh, um, I love Red Letter Christians in the US. And we got talking. She's like, well, would you like to like do things for us? And I was like, sure. And so that's kind of how I got involved with them. Amazing. 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 <laughs> so your thesis, tell us about that, because I am uh, I'm fascinated by the subject. I say fascinated. It's mm-hmm. not a fascination. There is an there's an interesting component to this, which I think uh, would I call it toxic Christianity? Mm. But I think it's something we need to talk about, actually, mm, yeah. because I think it's something that um, you know this week's uh, devotion is all about living in the present, mm-hmm. living yeah. in the now, and living in in wholeness and shalom in the now, mm-hmm. and part of living in the now is understanding our yesterday Mm. and, and dealing with our yesterday 
so that when we move and when we carry on in our now our tomorrow is not overshadowed by yesterday or it can be but it's we have a different relationship with it Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so tell us about that yeah so my thesis is uh, i'm looking at the doctrine of atonement uh, from the perspective of survivors of sexual abuse yeah Um, so looking at how um, people who have experienced that type of abuse have heard what um, the death of jesus means in sermons and um just in the teaching of the church and the music that's sung Mm. Um, and looking at it from different perspectives. So I'm looking at feminist critiques of atonement Mm. and also um, newer Pentecostal theological approaches to atonement, which um, a lot of people would be really surprised that I'm bringing those approaches into conversation because they're like, (laughs) those things are the exact opposite of each other and enemies. And I'm like, well, Um, in my experience, you know, I understand um, uh, Jesus's death um, to change things in a way that reconciles uh, things that might otherwise seem irreconcilable toward the kingdom of God, where we're all living in ways where we can, even if we don't agree, we can understand one another and find points of connection with one another. Yeah. So um, I'm looking at um, like the version of uh, the atonement I was raised with was uh the formal name for it would be penal substitutionary atonement, which that's right. Sounds as accurately harsh as it is. It's this idea that um, humans have uh, dishonored God and, you know, committed such a grave offense against God that they deserve infinite punishment, but um, they're not able to, because essentially humanity doesn't have the standing to take this punishment. God or Jesus takes it on humanity's behalf. Yeah. And um, because he takes the punishment that we deserve, um, mm. we are reconciled with God. And, you know, that's a very sim- oversimplified version of that. And yeah. um, a lot of theologians who uh, support the penal substitutionary model have made that point. They've said there are a lot of finer points to it than that. You have to understand um, the history of the doctrine and how it developed. Yeah. Um, but other scholars have pointed out um Yes, if you're a scholar, you can understand that. But if you're hearing about this in church um, from a pastor who you don't know what their education level has been and how they received it, it's not always those nuances aren't um, aren't always communicated well in worship. And if you're a person who's experienced abuse to have your relationship with God be dependent on someone taking more abuse than you even more abuse than you've already had that like you deserve can just sound horrific. It's like, it's hard to reconcile. Like how, how is that? How is that salvation? What does salvation even mean? Yeah. In that, in that. Yeah. 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 So where do you then, uh, where do you then take people when you present them with that interpretation? Yeah. So um, the reason what surprised me in looking at um, other Pentecostal scholars is a, seeing the atonement, understanding how the atonement uh, is healing. So in other words, what is it about Jesus's death um, as connected with his life and resurrection, not separated from them, that changes things between the relationship between humans and God and and yourself. And so Mm -hmm. I'm looking at this from a trauma perspective. I'm saying like, what happens to an abused body in trauma? like the physiological things that happen to the body and how trauma affects the body. 
And how, how does God enter into that? Even your relationship with your own self, because you have to have a sense of safety within yourself before you can have a sense of safety and relationship with others. And yeah. so thinking about Jesus's death, and this is kind of tied with my own opening experience and understanding mm-hmm. of Jesus's death is he, he understood, like I'm a survivor myself and he, mm-hmm. Because he knows what it's like to go through abuse, unjust abuse, entirely unjust abuse. Yeah, yeah. And there's something that changes between humanity and God. He takes on the weight of that. So we talked earlier about being able to bear things for one another and how Jesus is able to bear all of the weight and all of the pain of what happens and is able to take that. He takes it into himself and is able to somehow in a way that's mysterious that becomes transformed into life and um a verse that's really meaningful for pentecostals is first peter 2 24 and um it talks about how um jesus essentially he goes up on the tree and by by his um the word like traditional pentecostals in the kgb it's a by his stripes we are healed yeah that's right and I never understand that. And it sound, I never understood it. And it sounds very cruel. But if you think about it, it's like there's this idea of um, him interceding in this way that takes all of this pain into his body. And that word that's translated stripes, uh-huh. it's, not, it's not the wound that comes from the cross. Because it actually, if you translate the word, it means a wound that's begun to heal like a wheel. So it's not, it's not describing the wounds as they are on the cross. It's describing the wounds after he comes off of the cross. So it's describing his relationship to the wound, his wound after the crucifixion, after he's begun this process of healing it, healing in his body. And so there's this connection of um, his healing, his death and his healing, opening the way to our healing. And so oh, it's yeah. like my, my questions around this are, what is it that he takes on? What is it that changes because of what he's done for us? Mm. And what changes uh, in his body by God, you know, taking on flesh in the incarnation, dying, taking the weight of sin and meaning the, the sins that have been done against us. Yeah. Um, you know, the pain that's been done, what alienates us from God and transforming that into new life. And there's something that's really, there's this affective, very emotional component of that, that mm. however we connect to it. For me, it was um, connecting with the gospels and understanding them in a new way and um, beginning to go to Christian worship and be like, what, what is this thing? And having these experiences of Jesus and trying to put it into words is a challenge Yeah, because so much of it is just emotional and intense and just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. You're right. Because when there are things that are done to us mm-hmm. and we have a, so many feelings towards ourselves and, and those around that being part of that mm-hmm. and things that, things that we, you know, you know we, it's, it's a plethora, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's, yeah. it's a plethora of, of emotions mm-hmm. um, and legitimately, isn't it? totally totally legitimately and yet um and then you then we have this very strange story of jesus saying 
I'll, I'll take it mm. and I will, and I'll, and I, and it's not yours anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm, I want to heal you and I want to restore you Yeah. to whatever that looks like. But, yeah. but essentially it's uh I wouldn't renewing's not the right word. It's a newing. Mm-hmm. It's a newing. It's not renewing, it's a newing, it's a newness. Yeah. yeah. Um and, and when and it's and it the funny thing is is that that newing uh it's a daily thing, I would presume. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. those those thoughts, those things we see and hear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that. It's those yeah, I'm I'm into um I'm really, really into meditating. Mm-hmm. And you know, like you say, as as you start to see that see the gospel through the lenses of Christ redeemed mm. and that we are originally good and that he is revealing the goodness in us, mm. the 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 context and we don't get all the context of the stuff that was written in the gospels because well i don't know about you i'm i'm not a historian (laughs) (laughs) yeah certainly don't read aramaic or greek or or hebrew or anything like that but there's something in the spirit of god that seems to just whisper and reveal another truth Mm -hmm. another another gift Mm -hmm. that lifts us up yeah 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 yeah, and when you when you're talking about that word, it's not like restoring. It's not going back to what no, was because um, one of the things that um, I've learned, I've also done psychotherapy for trauma, and you yeah. know, I'm reading trauma theology and trauma literature. Yeah, and one of the things that they stress is um, something is really deeply and fundamentally um, something. It's like that your selfhood is. Um, is not there's something that's fundamentally changed about it following trauma Mm. so that like the person you are after the trauma is never going to be the person you were before but you can you can um you can find a new narrative you can find healing and the metaphor the idea that i use that's biblical and that helps me is the idea of co-creation So it's this Mm. idea of we never do it on our own. And like when Paul talks about being fellow builders with God, where our healing is all about like um, God co-creating. We are, God is making us into someone new. It's always God's initiative through Jesus. And we enter into that and we co-create. We co-create with God ourselves and others co-create us. And we help in the co-creation of others. And that's why um, the body of Christ is so important. It's like we are all members of the body and we all need one another because like in America, especially, I think we have this idea of like um, the um, autonomous individual. It's like, oh, I make my own decisions and I make myself. But that's just not true at all. We don't exist outside of um, the communities that we're born into, all the millions of decisions that are made for us before we're ever even born. You know, the idea that any of us are self-made is just a complete illusion. And so, like, for me, the way I think about it is our co-creation with God and how God is always the one who's initiating that. And it's... um, it's God's promised in Christ and the resurrection that, that gives us that hope that of what we're moving toward. 
I love that. I love that. It's such, I mean, I mean, it's words that we've heard, but I haven't, I haven't put them there, if that makes sense, into, into this context of mm. co-creating, co-building. Mm. And, and so when we, when we wake up and as we walk through the day or sit through the day, depending we're on Zoom or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> um, and those, those fleeting thoughts, um, you know, that, there's a phrase that, you know, we, um, what is it, you capture it and you, I know, I can't remember the phrase. But it's basically you, you you capture it and you put it into Christ. But there's mm. a different but there's a differentness in this, in that it's it's, it's actually there's a there's an action, isn't there? Mm. That that you're talking about. Mm. What kind of meditations do you do mm. that that just constantly are a source of encouragement to you? Well, so um, ever since I was a small child, like for literally as long as I remember, I pray before I go to bed. Mm. And it's, um, I, I'm sure, like, probably my grandfather taught me how or my mother, you know, mm. um, my grandfather was a Methodist minister. So you know, I have those roots too. Yeah. But, um, just, uh, I always, I always prayed, even when I didn't believe even when I didn't have an idea of God, like I thought God was maybe just a concept instead of relationship. It was always that, that constant practice of prayer for literally as long as I can remember. And so um, that was, and the way that I understood God and related with God, if I even would use that term um, has changed throughout my life. But for me, it's, there's something about always having that connection. And, um, after I connected with them, um, and I tried various different prayer practices, like when I was a pagan, I did uh, visualization exercises where uh, I talked about the story a little bit on um, the Nomad podcast, where I would mm. visualize, I visualized it as the goddess, but her hood was always, um, I could never see her face. And oh. after I converted, it was, I saw the face of Jesus. And um, so for me, I always as an adult, I always experimented with different ways of prayer and connecting with God. And these days it's like, I like to do um, scripture reading and prayer in the morning. And sometimes I'll get like an image for the day and be like, you know, what is, what are you calling me? And like, sometimes I'll get like a sense or an image and sometimes just a quiet sense of peace. And sometimes I can connect at the end of the day and be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then other times it doesn't. And it's like, it's just a way of, you know, putting myself in that time and space of God and being like, I'm open, you know, and sometimes something, maybe even a little concrete comes out of that. And sometimes it's just making that space. But Amazing. how about you? Uh, me, do you know what? I go, uh, I go for a walk and I pray mm. and uh, I, I go up to, I have a little, um, so I, I live in, uh, just near great chart in in kent and i have a place where i i found a chair and i mm. moved it to a quieter place mm. it has a view and so it's my prayer chair oh that's awesome so i go there as often as i can weirdly enough though when i can't do that i, I do listen to lectio every day mm. but it's just a really uh, you know i'm learning that small beginnings never to despise them but just to cherish them and lectio mm. is 10 minutes of my life and I'm making coffee. I'm not sitting down quietly and breathing deeply and, you know, centering my senses on, on God. I'm just not. Mm-hmm. But I'm still yeah. getting yeah. the goodness and the godness mm. whilst I, and it's, it's 
for me, like you, it's this, it's this intentionality of, it's not that I have to, it's that I want to. Mm, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, br- I was brought up, um, I'm really interested to, to hear of what you have kept from your upbringing mm-hmm. that, because as a person of, a, a spiritual person, mm-hmm. there are probably lots of things. We know that the other religions have spiritual practices that are actually really great. You know, the mm-hmm. meditations, they're just beautiful. They're, they're persistent meditations and, and ac- actions, et cetera. And there are other things mm-hmm. that are really, really rubbish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just naff. And they're not good. <laughs> from, from your journey, mm-hmm. from being a, a, a Pentecostal, charismatic person to then into the, into then the, the paganism and stuff and then mm-hmm. the, the the universally and i don't know enough about that other than i just don't know enough <laughs> and then moved into the methodist side of things mm. where what have you what have you um what have you kept and what have you chucked mm. well i'll say um when i was exploring paganism the thing that was kind of in a very different way um I feel like a spiritual continuation for me was like pagan practices of, uh, and not just pagans, but the practice of drumming and ecstatic worship is something that's always been important to me. Okay. And so that's taken different forms. And it's that way of being in your body in worship. Ah, embodiment of worship. Yes. That's very important to me. Very good. And um, there was a time where um, I didn't connect in a really, like in the way that like I did in my childhood church, because it was too threatening. It was too, it felt too invasive. Like this idea of your spirit is entering your body. And, you know, you can think if you've experienced sexual abuse, you can think of like where that. Yeah. I mean, none of that is helpful. But um, for me, it's, there there is this idea of intimacy with God. And one of the great blessings for me was to be able to be open to that. And to, Mm. that's the thing that was always a disconnect for me as a child of, my fear of God and not being able to be open and intimate with God in that way. Yeah. And so for me, one of the things that's been an important reclaiming is Pentecost on charismatic worship, yeah. you know, being able to sing the songs and sing with my hands up and um, pray in tongues in a service, which I couldn't do as a child, you right, know, I right. just couldn't connect in that way and be in a space where, there's space for that. Like I might be praying alongside someone else who's praying in tongues on a Sunday morning and, you yeah. know, I'm um, being in a situation where someone might have a tongue and someone else might else might have an interpretation. Yeah. And so, and yeah. seeing that handled responsibly, like I'm, I'm very yeah. lucky to be attending um, uh, a church where that is handled responsibly because there are ways that can be abused and manipulated yeah. and it can yeah. be a way to like, essentially abuse power and try to tell someone else, well, God is telling me this about you and you need to repent. And that's yeah. not helpful for yeah. anyone. Yeah. So it's like, but I think when it, when it's done in a way that um, is respectful and humble and being like, you know, I just get the sense and when it's with people, you know, and you can be like, um, mm. okay. And you know, no one's going to be offended if you're like, well, I'm not feeling that today or, yeah. you know, it's, um, yeah. And so I think, I think it's, um, it's been a real blessing to me to be able to um, be able to reconnect with that type of worship in a way that's, 
that doesn't feel threatening or scary. Mm. And I know that there's a lot of people who wouldn't be able to do that and be like, are just not able, they connect with God in different ways. And I think that's important too. It's not to be like, well, you have to speak in tongues or you have to have X and X experience oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, to yeah. connect with God properly. Yeah, yeah. But for me, it, that's a healing restorative thing. And I know that's mm. going to look different for different people. I mean, your palette of, of spirituality is very broad, isn't mm, it? Yeah. And then because then the, then the universal church, mm. that, and then you've got the Methodist church, which is, again, 100% different. <laughs> um, well, th- there is a Methodist holiness connection with the Pentecostal movement and the history, but that's a whole other talk. So Yeah. I mean, I mean, th- and then how do you then traverse being a, um, a theologian? you know um where we read let's say um <laughs> we read genesis and we know the first three chapters or x amount of chapters is uh is poetry you can't mm-hmm. read it literally you just can't right. and if you do you're just reading it wrong yeah so mm-hmm. then and, and there's lots of scripture mm-hmm. which you know we has to be read in a certain way mm-hmm. that unless you read it right we get it really 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 wrong Oh, yeah. Yeah. Talking about destructive theology, um, the church I grew up in, they had a very particular way of reading Revelation. And it was the right way. And it was all about it was the only way. <laughs> yeah. And it was all about, you know, there's a very strict timeline for when Jesus was coming back. And um, yeah. it was, um, yeah. But to get to what you're saying, for me, that's why seminary was such a help to understand, yes, the Bible is different genres and, yeah. um, and to understand that, that the literalist reading of the Bible is actually a very recent, um, a very recent take on it. And for me, you know, I grew up like, this is the way it's read or you don't read it at all. And I was like, well, then I'm not going to read it at all, you know, yeah. but then to come back to it and be like, oh, um, there is space made to understand this in different ways. And, you know, in Genesis one, that isn't the history of the earth. And they weren't trying to do an account to say, okay, this was the date 6,000 years ago when Adam and Eve were created. And yeah. to me, that just opens it up in a new way. And then it just opens a whole other set of questions and being yeah. allowed to have those questions and always being surprised. I think the thing yeah. that I love most about faith is the ability and it, it's not scary to be surprised by God, yeah. which should be surprising, you know, because <laughs> this idea that you have to have it all hammered down and known, it's like, um, no, like, why, if you're a human, if, if you're processing with this little six pound thing of meat, like, how are you going to know the wholeness of God? You're just yeah. not. And so to be able to be like, um, as a theologian, I do this because I have lots of questions. And I've always loved school and there's this freedom of being like, I don't have to have all the answers. You know, there are people I'm entering into this huge long history of the body of Christ of all of these people have been moved and had this call to, to kind of grapple with these questions and be like, I feel like this is my work in the church to be like, I'm in a place where I can explore these questions. I have, um, you know, the ability, the connection to the church to do this. And for me, that's what I love about theology is being able to say, what is it about, what is it about this Jesus that makes me keep coming, you know, that made me come back uh, to God and how do I explore that? And how do I like, from what happened to me that like 
pushed me away from God? What yeah. brought me back and how can I help others, especially who've had an experience like mine? Yeah. Where like, yeah. I just can't relate to Jesus. It's like, how can I be like, yeah, I couldn't either. And, you know, without forcing anyone or telling anyone to be like, well, you have to understand it this way. Be like, this is my journey. These are the things that made me feel like I couldn't relate to God and I couldn't relate to Jesus. This is where I'm at with it. And, you know, maybe help other people to be like, oh, okay, I think I can see it a little differently now. Mm. And then continue to learn from others. I love that. I mean, you are very, very unusual in the sense mm -hmm. of uh, your, your background where essentially you, you come from a charismatic Pentecostal background. Mm -hmm. where you've had trauma um and then and then you've you've moved your spirituality and rightly mm -hmm. so then dis then discovering jesus in a new way but mm -hmm. still s seeing um i mean i don't meet many people who are who who, who have a sense of spirit-led stuff but are, are quite i wouldn't say progressive mm -hmm. but but basically do um uh, pragmatically approach scripture and pragmatic ap approach people in such a compassionate and and you know uh, um accessible way you know mm -hmm. i think one of the problems we have in 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 the church i know it's amplified a lot more in the us but certainly you know it's it's that's not universal by any sense it's you know it's here in the uk and other places that we are still trying to move to understand the jesus and the God in that Bible, but understanding the story through rather than what's been written and understanding the character and more importantly, what's our role and relationship with that, mm. with this deity, with this being, this, this being of love mm. that actually wants to be, that is in love with us. And it's mm. us trying to decipher what does that love look like yeah. and how we then walk in that love mm. of then sharing that love and and then that the, the the whole thing of the word shalom it's mm. and well you know i think you are on a very and i i wouldn't be surprised that more people will as you are going through your journey uh and you your and your research um that we'll hear a lot more about what you know what you're doing because i think i think you what you're what you're studying and your background um I think there's a lot of people need to hear it. Well, first of all, thank you. Uh, that, that was an incredibly generous thing to say. So thank you. Um, it's just um, a blessing to me that I, I get to be able to do this. Um, I just, I get to do this every day. I get to be doing this work every day and I can't um, think of a way I want to, to serve God and serve others more than this. So I, I'm just really grateful. Yeah, yeah. You, the the words that come to mind is that you are, you've 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 discovered liberty, mm. and you're embodying liberty, liberty, and dare I say, you are evangelical about liberty. <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't believe I said evangelical. And of course, I am. No, it's that's, fine. That's, that's my tribe. I'm a I'm an evangelical. <laughs> I'm a I'm a Pentecostal charismatic evangelical that hangs out with Anglicans. Uh, but, yeah, there but, you go. You know, I'm just a bit confused. I think they're all they all have good stuff and bad stuff. Yeah, but join the club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it's funny. I mean, the number of people who I meet who are Anglicans who say, "Yeah, I'm not really an Anglican. I'm actually a such and such," and yet they are a minister in <laughs> in the Church yeah. of England. 
and I and I think this tribalism is um, both helpful and problematic. Mm-hmm. But if we talk about uh, relationship and we mm-hmm. talk about journeys together with others in community, I think that's more helpful. Yeah, I um, the image of pilgrimage has meant a lot to me um, mm. recently, and the idea of we're just we're on this together and we're trying to, you know, we're all trying to work this whole Jesus life thing out, you know, in the church. And it, it doesn't help if we're sniping at each other, I think. And, you know, <laughs> if we can help, if I can help, I want, I want to. So. I think you are and you will. Oh, uh, and you, you have done. So, um, wow, what a privilege. Real, really lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And blessings to you on this work you're doing and you're, devotionals and just thank you so much for having me on well, it's been a privilege it's been, it's been a lot of fun bless you oh bless you have a wonderful rest of your day you too <laughs> well i just want to say thank you for joining us on today's episode and a few things uh if you want to follow us on twitter we are have this handle or profile name of seasoned for life and uh, all latest news about the podcasts and guests uh, are on there and spread the news, tell people about this. Um, Do uh, put reviews um, through your various different things. If you're listening us through uh, um, Android or Spotify or on iTunes or whatever your place, do leave a review, do tell people about it. And um, well, do you know what? It is incredibly encouraging. So thanks again, God bless you and uh, we'll see you next time.